Hi, friends. This is Faith popping in to say hi and let you know that you're going to be hearing a little bit less from me in the next couple of episodes because, as many of you know, I was pregnant and I had my little baby girl. So we have a new member of the Trail Ahead team who's going to be maybe about three weeks old when you hear this. What I'm excited about is that we have some amazing co-hosts joining Addie on the next few episodes. For longtime listeners, you'll recognize these voices as some of our previous guests. And so we'll make sure to link in the bio to their episodes too, so you can hear more from each of them. I just want to say thank you for all the ongoing support and encouragement. It's been very cool to be able to collaborate more this season and find more amazing voices to uplift. We love hearing from you always and just appreciate all the well wishes around the journey of bringing another little adventurer into the world. So thank you for that. Another special shout out to our Patreon subscribers. You all are amazing and have allowed us to create an additional episode this season that we weren't planning on being able to do. And a huge thank you to our season sponsor, Lululemon, who have brought some incredible voices into the mix. And we're really excited to continue to learn more about what Lululemon is doing with and for athletes in the running space and beyond. Thank you as always for listening. Thank you so much for supporting us on the trail ahead. And we'll get some Real cutie photos to share with y'all soon. Thanks again. Welcome to The Trail Ahead, conversations at the intersection of race, environment, history, culture, and the outdoors. We're your hosts, Faith and Addie. We bring on folks from all walks of life to have real, authentic, messy dialogue that can lead to tangible change. This week's guest is Kayla Jeter, a wellness entrepreneur, coach, community creator, and all-around athlete who is disrupting homogenous fitness and wellness spaces. On her journey to pursue fitness in new and inviting ways, she founded the 100 Miles of Summer, an inclusive walk-run-roll challenge that has grown to include thousands of people around the world. We talk about her core beliefs and values, about bringing both representation and the power of the invitation into sports of privilege and diving into a new running challenge this year. And this episode, I'm joined by Trail Ahead season two guest, Camila Jornet, as Faith welcomes a new baby into the family. Congrats, Faith. Camila is a multi-hyphenate to say the least, an athlete, creative strategist, storyteller, and changemaker, and also a fast friend. It was so great to have her join in on the conversation. Thank you, Camila. We hope you enjoy Kayla Jeter with guest co-host Camila Jornet on The Trail Ahead. Kayla, it's so great to have you on The Trail Ahead. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I've really been looking forward to this conversation and it's such a treat. We are too. Thank you so much. So we usually start out by asking our guests to introduce themselves, but in a way that is however strikes you today and now, and we'll let you decide what that is for you. I love this question because how I introduce myself has changed so much over the years, but I would introduce myself first that I am Kayla. And what that means to me is I am human first. I am a daughter, a sister, a friend, a resource, a coach an athlete, a uh, creative in my own 
sense. I am everything that I feel God has brought me to be in this moment. And I genuinely wake up to be Kayla every day. I love that. I don't know if you've heard a couple of our episodes talking about faith and a guest of ours, Grace Anderson, talk about the, the usual introduction. And it's sort of like, let's just talk about who we are. So I love that. I completely agree with that. I think we get so used to introducing ourselves as the things that we do, but not always starting with the people that we are. And yeah, that was just really beautiful, Kayla. Thank you both. I couldn't agree more. And so one of the questions that I am always excited to listen to on this podcast, since I'm guest hosting that I'm excited to ask you about, is when we say playing outside, what does that make you think of? And where do you go? Where does that take you when you think about playing outside? I love that you asked this question because play has been my sum- my word for summer 2023, mostly because of so much of what I do, as you just mentioned, Camila, is around performance or racing or showing up for other people that I have to really intentionally and actively schedule play or make space for play in my life. And last summer, I got my first road bike. So I'm in Chicago. I didn't mention that. I live in Chicago, 33 years old, which means I spend most of my time either running in a car or commuting other ways. Not too much time just biking for fun unless I hop on a divvy, which is our public bike system here in Chicago, if you will. And last summer, I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy a bike. I'm going to get a road bike. I've never been on a road bike before, but I'm just going to get into just riding for fun. And the feeling of play for me that comes from riding my bike is so exciting. (laughs) The biggest smile on my face right now, because when I'm riding my bike, I feel like I'm flying and I feel free and there's nothing attached to it, at least at this point in my life from a performance standpoint. But I also just recently learned how to clip into my bike. And that is a totally new experience for me as far as being attached to the thing that's moving. And it's brought some feelings of anxiousness and nervousness, especially in the lakefront here in Chicago. Super, super busy, especially with marathon season right around the corner. But it's just a really cool feeling to be, sounds so cliche, one with the machine. (laughs) And I find a lot of joy in just playing on my bike. That's really great to hear. I love the vision of adults playing on bikes. I feel like biking is something that those of us that were fortunate to learn how to do it as a kid, it's very freeing when you take off those training wheels, the literal training wheels. But as someone who also got into biking or cycling as an adult, I got a my first real bike, I call it, right before COVID actually. And learn to clip in and being like one with a, it's in a way it is a vehicle still that allows you to get so much further and explore in a different way is really fun. I think it's really amazing how our bodies plus this machine can transport us to places that we never could have gotten just on on foot. And there's something really fun, fun about that. Where have been some fun places that you've explored on your bike? right now because I've kept it pretty local again I'm still getting used to comfortably one navigating the city of Chicago and the streets are not 
the best kept. So every pothole or crack or uneven surface, I tend to feel on my way out to the lakefront. But I try to make a point to not bike where I run or where I train, especially for the races I have coming up this fall, just to keep separate space of where one feels more like work and training when where one feels like play. So if I were to take the lakefront and where I live in Chicago, I'm not too far. I'm about a mile and a half and pretty close to Michigan Avenue, which is the main drag. So that about evenly divides North Lakeshore uh, Front Trail and the South Side. And so I run north and I bike south. And biking south is a really beautiful experience because I head down course along the lakefront towards the planetarium, different parts of Soldier Field, and keep going to the south side down to Hyde Park where the University of Chicago is, where all the bridges live, which always makes me laugh because people always talk about how flat the Chicago Marathon course is, which is true, but all the bridges, all the inclines are on the south side. So heading down, down that way and discovering some beaches that people may not know too much about keeps me curious and also it's the best view of the city comes from the south side hands down i love the idea of separating the the work the training and the play because i've never actually realized that i do that too and it's so important to do that because i yeah this is like a real like a live realization for me (laughs) i usually have like the training run route and then i have more of a play route that's really interesting kayla i love that on the biking topic i saw a few posts that you have on your social account that really talks about the immense amount of privilege and there's sort of a pay-to-play model in cycling there's a lot of there's a lot of whiteness there's a lot of homogeneity in cycling in particular but i'm just curious we talk a lot on the podcast about about like there, it's never anyone's job, certainly, to come into this space and to diversify the space. And also, like we talk a lot about, too, how exhausting that is. Or I'm, I hear it and I can only imagine. And so I just was curious, like, whatever you feel comfortable sharing. But like, how did you, how did you enter into that space? What were the thought processes and emotions around that? And then also, how did you come to feel called to be a part of the conversation? Because it really sounds like you're not only taking part in this sport, but you're also elevating the conversation around representation in cycling. Yeah, Addie, I love this question because if I think about biking and cycling, one, what Camilla said is so true. And you mentioned there is a privilege in just knowing how to ride a bicycle growing up in environments where you were safe enough to ride, having the financial resources to buy the equipment necessary to participate, a bike, a helmet, elbow pads, depending on where you are in your bike and cycling journey. But if I think about growing up, I grew up in a predominantly white environment, predominantly white neighborhood, went to a Jewish preschool. My parents did well for themselves and I had access to a lot of things that a lot of people in, I think, black, white, brown, Asian didn't. And I feel very fortunate in that. And so what I found myself as of recently, and honestly, I was just reflecting with one of my three sisters about this yesterday, is this past year in particular, I've been called back to a lot of the ways I used to express myself as a child. And 
ways I used to engage in play, with play and biking was one of them. So when I looked to get into cycling, which last year was genuinely out of curiosity and fun, no, nothing around it as far as the driver for it. But the more I looked into what cycling is and being a new a newbie still in the run space, my sport is volleyball. That's where my bread and butter is. That's what I spent the most time training in. And running is a predominantly white sport. And cycling, I think, is even more homogenized. And in that, I felt very called to continue to show up, right? Like when I think about cycling, again, it's a, it's a space of privilege that the equipment entry level it is way more than I think I was even aware of. I have friends who've done triathlons and who have done Ironman and who are cyclists or are really, that is their sport. That is how they even exercise, maybe doesn't have the same performance measures attached to it. But the pay to play, which I love how you phrase that is exactly what cycling is. And so I got my bike, just noticing who was showing up in different spaces on the lakefront, what a group rides look like. And actually here in Chicago, there's a group called Streets Calling and they're, they're national. They have different chapters across the city, which is a black funded bike group, which started during the lockdown and getting more people of color more broadly on bikes. But when we look at cycling in the sport, especially competitive, you just watch the Tour de France and it's a situation where the privilege becomes very obvious. And so to know that me as a woman, as a black woman, represented in a sport that I have fun with right now is even smaller. Aisha McGowan was the first Black woman to join professional cycling team in 2021. That was two years ago. Two years ago. Wow. So the one thing I always think about is you can't be what you can't see. And I know we'll get into the run conversation later, but cycling even more so. If, if there's a way that I can be in this space just as one, not only do you deserve to be there, but you can be there and there's space for you there, I will take up that space time and time again. I really love how enthusiastic you are about taking up space. I think that's something that I've often felt called to take up space as a Black woman in endurance sports, but also it can be maybe a little isolating or sometimes draining or disappointing. There's a lot of feelings there, I feel, and in addition to the joy I feel doing the actual activity, but in just being oftentimes the only. And I'm really curious to hear, Kayla, in terms of you've mentioned some groups and some people, and we really have so far to go in terms of actually diversifying the sport of cycling because it is very white. It's very male. I watched a lot of the tour this summer and was cheering for the one person that looked like me in all the sprint stages, hoping that he was going to beat everyone to the line. And I'm just curious for our listeners who are looking for people like them in this space, like how do you go about finding role models and how do you continue to show up as your full Black self with all of your uniqueness in spaces that appearingly seem to remain consistently uh, very white? Huh. I, I had to sigh on that one <laughs> because 
I and Camilla, I feel like you can relate to this in your experience in running and trail running and cycling because it takes effort. You know what I mean? It takes effort to find the communities that look like you that have access to the resources or the space to participate in the first place. And so for me, the the first place I always start, I feel like one of my traits is I, I love being uncomfortable. And I think that's because I've had to embrace being uncomfortable. So I am not hesitant to go into space where I don't know anybody and will gladly sit in the back of any room and learn the culture, the conversation, the etiquette. So I feel comfortable in it. And so but the power of social media, and I have my feelings about it on both ends of the spectrum, but I think really just doing some due diligence, one, and in, in searching, looking for groups in your area, whether that's on social media or even going to local bike shops and asking where the bike meetups are, connecting with people that you may see and not being afraid to reach out. Allison Desir, she wrote Running While Black, and she has put a big spotlight on the Black experience in running. And as a um, result, I think, given a lot of communities voices to connect with each other and the same, I feel, is with cycling, that when you go to these meetups and you go to spaces that there are people who have a shared experience, you're able to then even tap into them even more and say, okay, this may be, for example, Streets Calling is a, a recreational riding group, but there are several people who are part of that group who ride and, and, and cycle in a way that's a little bit more competitive in training. And just not being afraid to, to ask where your people are, because we got to find them. Absolutely. I, I think this is so interesting because there's a couple pieces here, Kayla. I'm curious, you, you in this way have also become a role model for others. Absolutely. And I think there's, it's not always maybe the same like distance or even sport, but it's clear that you are bringing communities together. You are the person that maybe looks like someone, right? That they can see themselves in this mm. place. They can see themselves in this space. And I'm just curious, like how, what has it been like to, <laughs> I don't even know if it's the right phrase to say, step into a role model position. Cause like maybe it was thrust upon you, but just like, how has that process been uh, over the past few years? And I am curious, was it something that was more conscious or was it, has it been um, something you found yourself playing that role? Yeah, I, I'm smiling, like literally my cheeks are touching my eyeballs. <laughs> I agree. I don't, the phrase thrust upon me definitely sounds forced, but it was not planned. So I'll start there. If I, if I go way back to my childhood, no. <laughs> I feel like I yeah, always, do. <laughs> no, you're like, take us back. Let's go there. <laughs> yeah, sure. I love it. I am one of four girls. I'm the second youngest out of the four of us. And I don't think I've ever presented maybe outside of being younger as the middle child, but apparently that's a middle child trait to say you present as an older child, an older sibling, but you're really like the second, youngest, but it's fine. I grew up playing sports and I don't know what exactly, as I say, my saucer mojo is because I, and this is something I've talked to my therapist about and even a couple of friends, is I don't self-actualize very well. I, even when I introduce myself as Kayla, which I think is a good way as far as less about what I do and more about who I am, it's very much like, I'm just Kayla. You know what I mean? I'm just, I like to go for bike rides. I like to drink coffee. I like to wake up early. You know what I mean? And being this position of being a role model and a resource and someone that people look to was not a goal of mine. 
it's just become who I am. And I feel like being in leadership positions in sports, I always feel like I had an older wisdom to the way I approached certain things and conversations that when I think about my peers, perhaps was comforting to them that someone else could make sense of what was going around them or at least act like they knew it was going on. And so the past really, yeah, like year and a half, two years, I've had to become more conscious of stepping into it because there are days where I'm like, oh, this social media thing is exhausting. Like, I just want to shut it down and, I don't know, run, jog, roll, slide into the sunset. (laughs) But what I'm brought back to every time is I have to remember the community that has supported me and how I've supported them and how I might be a resource that they need and they're not able to get anywhere else. And I might be a voice that normalizes the experience they've gone through because I've gone through some hard things too. And so I think in sharing my experience and being open and vulnerable and what my experiences have been, it's put me in a position to lead more because I'm not afraid to be vulnerable. I resonate with so many key words you've used here. I was like mentally making notes because it's really beautiful that you, just as you are as Kayla, are inspiring others to do things maybe that they haven't thought about or to enter this space of whether it's endurance sports or wellness or fitness or whatever that might be and that you really have created community. I've worked in social media a lot and I much prefer the word community to followers. I think on social especially it's so easy to get caught up in in the numbers but they're not numbers they're people. Mm-hmm. And so for for you to be creating this community it it really to me brings us into what does it mean to extend an invitation to sit to s- tell someone that like they are welcome in a space. And I'm curious, what does the phrase you are welcome here mean to you? And maybe what are some projects that you've been working on where you're trying to make sure that people feel welcome in recreation and in sport? Oh, I love that. The definition community first is similar for me, right? It's community is a space you can come back to. And in order for you to want to come back to it, you have to feel welcome to it. And what that looks like outside of the cliche for all paces, for all races, run your own race. I think it's important to know that you're in a safe space that has been, even if it's subconsciously, but consciously cultivated, welcoming all experiences from all walks of life. And first, knowing vulnerability and trust are necessary in order for people to feel welcome in that space. And no judgment. And what I think I've created, and I say think because I'm still digesting it as we go through the sixth year of this challenge I've created is 100 miles a summer. So it's May 1st, August 31st, walk, run, jog, roll 100 miles. And I created it six years ago when I first moved to Chicago because I didn't have a car. I wanted to get to know the city. And I wanted to do something that was hard. And coming from volleyball where the court is 30 feet, 100 miles felt really hard. And some days even now, it feels really challenging, but I didn't want to do it alone. So I threw it up on Map My Run, which I, this is terrible, I even say, I believe is still around. So apologies. It is. Apologies. 
I've gone on to the Stravas of the world, but I'm pretty sure it's still there. <laughs> no shade. Amazing. I love it. <laughs> the app, at least back then, I know actually my friends use it like to create routes, but the challenge, the interface of it was so archaic back then. And it's so funny to think about how much technology has involved since six years ago. But anyway, it started six years ago as a way to challenge myself. And it was 12 of us who were literally sprinting to be first for as fast as we could. And that's a separate conversation around having a toxic relationship with running and performance, especially coming from a sport background. But it started with 12 people and it's grown. This year we have over 260,000 and we're on Strava worldwide. And I like can't wrap, I like, I try to picture that number in a field, like a room, I don't, an arena, you know what I mean? It's quite impressive and massive, but what I have really come to love about the challenge is that even before it was on the Strava platform, it was, it's always been about how are you showing up for yourself? How are you taking care of yourself? And how are we leveraging walking, jogging, running and rolling as a catalyst to better health? And I used to work at Weight Watchers, and this is a conversation I had a lot with our team as far as me as a coach. I was the first coach working with Weight Watchers that didn't have a weight loss background or story or journey. So if you look at the continuum between starting building healthier habits and, and sustaining healthier habits, I'm at the far end of the spectrum. And there was always this conversation around, well, Kayla would be mindful of how you show up in space because we don't want to be offend people. You're inspirational, but you're also aspirational, but you also make people feel a certain way. I remember at one point in time where I wasn't at first told I can't even wear crop tops or show my arms. I just be very conscious of how that makes a member feel, which is another conversation for another day or perhaps later in this conversation. I don't know. But what the challenge I think has done and the way it's grown and even the way I show up in it, I really feel like it makes everyone feel welcome. And my favorite saying is the challenge is designed not for people who are running multiple marathons, maybe not, honestly, people who have never even trained for a marathon. It's people who just want to show up and take care of themselves and need that accountability and community. And with those being the pillars, it's brought a such a diverse group of humans to be part of it. Kayla, I have to ask, you said that you were, you just moved to Chicago. This was a way to get to know the city. How did you, how, how did you create that community? Like, clicking down a little bit, like how did you motivate so many folks to join you on this? Yeah, tell, talk a little bit more, if you would, about just that community element in, in the 100 miles of summer challenge. Yeah, it's again, I think this definitely goes back to the power of social media and the reach that you have, because the challenge up until this most recent year has mostly been pushed on my Instagram through stories, mm. through other people, very much word of mouth. And... I don't know. I feel like six years ago, I maybe had maybe 4,000 followers. And so I didn't have a large following this whole time. And it's just grown each year. And each year, it's just become something that people look forward to. And they tell a friend that tells a friend that tells a friend. And between the, see, the first year, it was around 12 people. The second year, I think we had like 73. The third year, I gotta do my timeline here. The third year was really challenging for me because that was the year that I was actually taking care of my mom before she passed away. And I really struggled deciding whether or not I was going to do it because I didn't have the energy to put into it just because I'm managing taking care of my mom and still working and she's dying. And there's just so much that I felt like I wouldn't be able to manage showing up for other people. But the way that community showed up for me and held me up during that time made me really see how special it is. And 
if you go into the next year, that's when lockdown happened for everybody. That's when everyone was in the position I was the year before, but I had gone through it alone. Of course, with the virtual community, but just know everyone else is still going to brunch and living their life and doing their thing. And I'm in a transitional care facility waiting for my, my mom to take her last breath. And so I think those two years really set the tone and shifted the energy of what the challenge meant. And the year that I was taking care of my mom in 2019, I'm being real and sharing the story and coming on stories and being on Instagram in a way that people are now, but weren't back then. So I'm hopping on lives. I'm really engaging because I need people. I need community. And so the next year we blew up from, I mean, it was seeing maybe a couple hundred in 2019 to over six, 600, 700, almost a thousand people during lockdown because everyone was just looking for a connection. And that's really what keeps it going. People want to be part of something. They want to be accepted and seen and celebrated just as they are. They want a space that they can come back to. They want to be elevated. They want to just be told like, it's okay to not be okay. And if you're not going to be okay, we're here for you. But when you're ready to lock in, we got you. So as it's grown over the years, and then most recently going on Strava, it's just exploded. And what I love about Strava as a platform, this is not a plug, but I do appreciate it as, at least from my experience, because I also know there are some feelings in social fitness platforms, I get competitive. But for me, it's been a great way to connect and see people because before that, it was only on Instagram being shared and reshared. Hey y'all, Lululemon just announced a new initiative, Further, that celebrates human possibility and demonstrates how far women can go when they're supported with resources and product innovations typically reserved for men. The initiative will culminate in a multi-day ultramarathon that begins on International Women's Day, March 8th, 2024. Further will also include components like a holistic scientific research program addressing the existing sex and gender data gap on endurance performance, new women-first product innovations, community activations, and a give-back program to support young women. Learn more via lululemon.com story run further. I just really appreciate you sharing all that, Kayla, and I appreciate you and your vulnerability over the years. It's very clear that you've been really open in sharing your like struggles and grief and what you're going through and movement and wellness has supported you in that or been a crucial piece of you getting through some of that. Thank you. Yeah, I to echo Addie a bit for me, it comes back to when you mentioned earlier the difference inspirational versus aspirational. And my brain just immediately when you were using those two words, my brain went like, I couldn't aspire to be Kayla because Kayla is already Kayla. Like you, mm. you are who you show up as. But I truly believe that it's your vulnerability to share so openly that becomes that inspiration for the community that you are because you have such a way of being yourself that you can't not feel inspired to find out like who you are as yourself. Who am I as Camila? Who is Addie as Addie? That for me, I think is such a, a gift and it allows you to chase whatever goals you might have 
and to bring your community along with you, knowing that they might have completely different goals or they might be at a completely different place in their fitness or wellness journey than some of the things you might have on your calendar, which also brings me to a piece that I'm wanting to pivot and dig into because you're a part of this further project with Lululemon and you're preparing for something pretty crazy, like pretty wild. And so I'd love if you could just tell us a bit about what's going on, what's upcoming and how you even ended up in, in the mental headspace to say, this is what I want to do. Oh gosh. Okay. Let's get into it. Let's go there. Let's go further. Puns all intended. So, uh (laughs) (laughs) okay. I think starting from how I said yes to this is a good place to begin because my background, as I mentioned, is not running outside of doing sprints on a court and sprints on a turf a couple of times during a season of volleyball. And I most recently got into distance running and now we'll be exploring the ultra space. And so running for me has always been a harsh relationship, super rigid, super strict, super go until you throw up. And it hasn't been until honestly last October where I ran my second in-person half. So again, I'm still very new to racing also. I was in Toronto at their marathon and they have the half marathon on the same course as the marathon and I like split went my way down the path or the course for the half and I finished and I was like I feel like I could keep going and so with Lululemon and as an ambassador I really have to say Lululemon <laughs> brought the runner out of me of course 100 miles a summer started it and sparked it because each year I would find myself genuinely tra- chasing going further and redefining and reimagining and and healing my relationship with a movement that's so innate, left foot, right foot, step over step is something that we do every day. And it's just the pace that dictates whether or not it's walking, jogging or running. And so with Lululemon, I've had the opportunity to run my first ultra relay. I ran hood to coast twice. I did the speed speed project running from LA to Vegas last year. So I've been part of these ultra experiences, if you will. And in each one, I unlocked and discovered a new version in relationship with running and myself and just how far I can go. And also I had to had to come several conversations with myself during the tough moments of each where like Kayla, if you can not have your mom and dad in this world and still find a way to flourish forward, surely you can run a couple miles. And I say that not to downplay what endurance and ultra running and ultra sports more broadly are, but I have Sometimes it's a not advantage, but I think I I do a good job of coming back to what's real, what's matter, and keeping that very matter of fact in black and white. Okay, at the end of the day, this experience of running, whether it's a training run or a race, has to stop. Either get to the finish line or my body gives up. At some point, it has to stop. When Lululemon reached out to me about further, I wasn't really sure what it looked like and what it was going to be. I just knew it was going to be really hard but I was gonna be supported by the most incredible people, resources, and ultimately brand. And in each experience I've said yes to with Lululemon, it's only gotten better and I've, I've unlocked parts of myself I didn't know existed. Like I talk to my teammates now and I tell them I'm doing all this running and they're like, Kayla, who are you? And it's like an identity crisis every time I share <laughs> because I'm still learning who I am in it. And so 
further six days as far as we can go individually exploring human potential unlocking you know our own possibilities especially as women and the more I learned about the gaps of research that are in ultra sports and what it looks like to be part of one product innovation for women especially in trail and ultra and what it looks like to be part of research that's going to inform training I think is what excites me even more to know how little women are represented in exercise physiology, like 3%. And yet we're taking these findings from these studies and applying them to women, but we're not included in the study because of our own physiology that creates too many variability. It just blows my mind. And then we take that a sub layer deeper and think about a, a woman in the ultra space as a black woman, the data just gets even more sparse. So to be part of a project, a feat that is supported fully from what we wear and how what we need to eat, how we sleep, how we think, from a research side as far as knowing my own physiology and how I can best show up myself, and then being one of 10, the women that are part of Further are incredible humans. I don't know how Lululemon always does it. And I say incredible, not because of what they've accomplished in their careers or within their own sport, because what do you think about Camille? I just, I can't even imagine running 270 miles in 48 hours, let alone whatever that would take me. But they're genuinely beautiful humans, beautiful women, humans that are rooted in a purpose that is beyond performance which is, I think, what makes us very special. And we're from all over the world. And to be select, honestly, invited, I would say selected, sure. I'm sure there was some type of like boardroom situation. Maybe not, maybe. In my mind, it's giving like fantasy football draft. <laughs> but to be invited, <laughs> who did, where does she go? It's a great, but through the boardroom, there's yeah, snacks. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like, it's just in my mind. But to be invited to be part of this is just really special. And I feel very fortunate. It's so interesting, Kayla, because I feel like as I've started to learn more about y'all and and I will say I, I did have more familiarity with some of the ultra runners, like folks in the ultra running space, the women in the ultra running space previously, like to further. But still, like as I'm learning more and more about the group, it's unbelievable how supportive y'all are of each other. It's so cool to see the comments on each of your posts and like. Just the genuine messages of support yeah. and just following along again from afar of the times that you've met up in the launch and everything like that. And I'm like, oh, they seem like genuine friends. This seems like <laughs> a very cool, honestly, like the group that I want to meet and hang out with. And it, and I, I love that because I think I also don't know how the boardroom vibes might actually be real. But like when you, but then you think about it and you're like, that's pretty wild that the, that process led to a group of like emotionally bonded and yeah. supportive people. Like, I don't know. I think that's, I think that's really unique. It's been cool to watch that unfold from afar. And then also have everyone go back to their separate corners of the world, as you mentioned, the country, the world, and be working on these projects, you know, be training for their specific distances, which, by the way, I think it's pretty amazing that the project is really like we've talked. We have so we had Myrna on. Mm -hmm. We had Megan Roach on as well, who's more on the scientific and mm -hmm. kind of research side of things. It's pretty phenomenal that 
these it's the as you said six days go as far as you can go but it's like what does that mean to each person what does that mean to each woman and that is an interesting alignment with like conversations we have on this podcast right of what does it mean to see success if you will in like an outdoor space like we've had conversations around like why is it all about bagging peaks and summiting Mm. mountains and PRing and all these things and it's like well what about just going outside for a walk and is that outdoor recreation is that adventure what are the definitions so it's interesting to to have this project be like meeting you all where you're at it seems and really as you as you said like you know your training group is like wait what we can't even recognize you like you're running so much so I was just curious how did you define what further meant to you like what the furthest or further meant to you in this project and also I'm curious some of that research that you mentioned the kind of the like science and biomechanics and all of the research going into this project like how did that strike you at the beginning have you been surprised by some of the findings since you started on the project because I also know from faith that y'all have been in a lot of testing rooms and starting the project too. Oh my gosh. I feel like the amount of PubMed searches I've done in Google (laughs) Scholar. And so I work with Megan Rhodes. She is my ultra coach. And I feel like I should be on my way to some type of degree. Well, especially with Megan. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's so fascinating to know or to really think that if you watch the Tour de France or the PGA Tour and, and they have broken down how a certain golfer, male golfer, eats a granola bar. We know how it's affected his power and his swing, but like women have four phases in their cycle. Like what? Just, oh my God. Yeah. It is mind blowing to think how much information is out there, but how much of a gap there is for women in performance and in sport. And that's from storytelling, from research, from data, from media coverage. And so when I said yes to further, the representation was the first thing that will always lead it. My sisters always ask me, they're like, why do you keep running? (laughs) Uh, Like, why do you keep running? Like, you don't have to do this. And I'm like, I understand that. And I say this not with the burden of the phrase heavy is the head that wears the crown, but very much pride in knowing that I am the continuation of my parents' legacy and I am representing something bigger than me for all the little girls who look like me, for the Black women in my community at large. That is what drives me when it gets tough. And as far as what my further is, I'm honestly unsure. I don't know. In in working with Megan, it's been really helpful because I could throw out some like wickedly large number. And she's like, Kayla, I love aspirational goals. I'm here for it. But also, (laughs) you don't have the foundation underneath you to go for something like that. Because I do want to make sure my further doesn't leave me hating running, hating ultra or being injured. That is something I have a very hard line about. And I have nothing to prove. And I say that very proudly because coming from team from sports, from performance, I played professional volleyball, I coached and getting into running where people will literally run themselves into the ground. I will not. I am, I know. And because of the fact of how negative and harmful my relationship what with running was and how beautiful it's become, like I run to explore 
external environment and internal environment. And that is my motivation. I run marathons to sightsee. I go on long runs to see my you know, parts of the city are, that are unknown. And that is a tenant of 100 miles a summer is to get outside and get to know your neighborhood. As far, I know how hard I can train. I tore my ACL in college. I played pro. Like I know what my body can do. I don't know how far it can go. But as a woman and women are designed to endure and you think about birthing life and carrying life in all the hats we wear as women, I'm not concerned with how far I can go. It's just the mental hurdles that come with it. And so when it comes to my distance, I don't, I, I'm honestly still figuring out what that means. To be entirely honest, I'm running Berlin Marathon in less than four weeks and I have New York City Marathon. And those are my checkpoints because I can't get to further until I check those off healthy. Definitely. I think part of growing as an athlete is realizing at the end of the day, we are just humans and our <laughs> yeah. bodies will, sometimes it's like our mind feels stronger. Sometimes it's that our body feels stronger, but it's really when those two can work together that we can literally go further. I will continue yeah. to drop that in when we can. And it just works so well. It, it just works, yeah. really does. It does. Great. And I think too, I'd be curious Kayla, it sounds very much like you're learning your body. You're combining that with this amazing research that Lulu Lemon is doing. And I'm curious if it has led to any unlocks that are really like top of mind for you right now in your training, whether that's mental, physical, maybe it's both. But how has the combination of those two things really allowed you to even think about going further? Oh, gosh. I like, I listen, one, I listen to way too many pod podcasts. <laughs> My sisters, before I even speak, know it's going to start with. I was listening to a podcast because even on my long runs, I have run, I ran the London Marathon listening to a comedy podcast. Like I, I don't listen to music at all anymore. And I just, I am such a, a learner. But anyway, so much has informed the way I even live day to day because coming from performance sport and explosive sport like volleyball and where I can go really hard in the gym, I can, I got to jump hard. I, I know how to navigate that. I did that for the majority of my like career in life with training in an explosive sport, but learning what it means to become not only a runner from the sense of recreational or, or training for a race in a season, but I've been running and training as a runner and living this lifestyle for over a year and a half, which is like every day, every decision I make has to think about honestly, the end of the week, like knowing how the load builds up. The finding that I had with the Canadian Sport Institute, because we've already done one round of just baseline, two things that really blew my mind. And I'm excited to see how the research continues to develop is my vitamin D levels were low. I don't remember the exact number, but they were not concerningly low. Overall, my health um, report came back really good, but that number came back low. And the one comment that the research team mentioned was it's Canadian Sports Institute who we're working with, mentioned that it's not uncommon for us to see low vitamin D levels, especially in Black athletes. Melanated skin doesn't absorb uh, vitamin D as much and you put on sunscreen and that becomes... A lower number. That being said, they even mentioned, and I'm curious to know, the number is low for you amongst the sample of 300 athletes. And I don't know the demographics of the, of the sample size, but your numbers are low. But I would be curious 
to know what my levels are in comparison to other black athletes. If we are performing lower or having a lower result in vitamin D, it's sure lower to the compared sample, but is it average to other black athletes? So that's something I think about interesting to explore, especially when we get into trail. And I've had this conversation with Faith. She was like, if you want to get in the trail, there's space there. You have so much fun. We need representation. And so my <laughs> mind has been spinning with ideas. I actually uh, thought about coming out to Chamonix, but I was like, I need to do work here. I'm not even like, why am I going out there? But there's space there. And then another level that came back low was my ferritin level. So the absorption of iron and knowing how that impacts my body's ability to recover and then foot strike hemolysis and just running. There's just so many. I understand my body and I identify my body as a moving laboratory. And it's just like a series of chemical reactions happening every day. And so just knowing that there are ways that I can better set myself up for one success, but to reduce risk of injury has been super, super helpful in being part of further. Wow. Yeah, there's so much in all of this and so many different pieces of data. Mm -hmm. And I also really appreciate you sharing and breaking down a little more about like how this differs for different women, for Black women. Yeah. For, and then a lot of the research that's probably on white women and how these different spaces, you know, how we can absolutely benefit from having all of this research and how we need to be representative in all of the yes. scientific yes. research and, and deep dives that we're doing. I'm like, from Faith's comment, I'm like, yes, there's absolutely space for you <laughs> in this. But then it's the conversation about like, do you feel welcome? Do you want to? Do you? That's, that's a whole conversation. But it, it is a really interesting, like, subculture even further yeah. than, further clicked down than, like, running in general. And I'm in it right now, which is why it's, like, really percolating in the front of my mind as I'm asking you this, because I'm like, oh, no, yeah. let's go there. Yeah. I think this is the perfect time to have a conversation and pointing back to the group of women for further the fact that group is so diverse is really incredible and not just from race but also body type experience like I, I really appreciate and applaud Lululemon for picking a group of women that represent literally every body and every body which I think is a really cool opportunity for guests and spectators and family and research to connect to different parts of us but when it comes to my first singular experience in distance running, specifically around marathon, how small of a percentage Black people specifically are represented within marathon finishers. And then we get into more broadly outdoor space and how access to safe environment just funnels that down to a very small percentage of people that can participate in even being outdoors. But then we get into trail running, which is an unknown space to me. I've only seen it from afar and heard from experiences, specifically from Myrna and what it's like been for her. And I have grown up, as I shared, in predominantly white spaces. And even being in the fitness and wellness space, it is wellness is positioned and even commodified, I think, with white people or one homogenous image in, in mind. So when I think about trail running, I'm very, this is why I say yes to certain things. Because if I can be there and sure, disrupt, but also create space. And if someone sees me out running on a trail and they feel inspired or comfortable or welcome to do the same, 
That's why I want to be there. And when I was talking to Faith, she asked me, I was like, well, one, if I really got in show running, I'd 100% have to move. Chicago <laughs> trails are limited. But even from a participation standpoint, right? Like it doesn't have to be like a third, like a 100K. It could even be a 10K. I'm planning on going to Chamonix next June to do the 10K that they do. And just increasing the representation there to just make it like elevate it as a possibility, right? Like yes. people don't know what's for them if they don't know what's for them or where the space exists for them. So I really think full circle coming back to even cycling, I want to elevate it as a, as a possibility. And I just think about the people I see every day, which is my three sisters and how different they all are and how they've grown in their own fitness and wellness journey. And then I think about my community. That's what it's all about. I 1000% agree with you as a Black woman who has towed the line on trail races and run mm -hmm. on a lot of trails where I don't see a lot of people that look like me. I honestly, my brain is going a thousand miles a minute just because I'm like, oh, what if we took the research and we understood our bodies better and we have the resilience as Black people of how to do hard things and the mentality and the physical. Yeah, it's only a matter of time. It is yeah. literally only a matter of time if we want to be there. Yeah. And I think that's such a, yeah. a key differentiating factor. of It should still be fun for us. It should still be something that we enjoy, that we want to be a part of, that we feel we have community within trail running as a sport is so niche. It's still, it can feel like the world. I too will be at Chamonix this weekend and it feels like the entire world is there. But if you, even my husband went into a running store in Portland, huge running town before we left and mentioned we were coming here and going to UTMB and they were like, what's that? And that's yeah. one that works at a run specialty store in one of the biggest running spots in the United States. And so I think that it's really interesting to think about just the opportunity to create space for one another and to decide to toe the line for a 10K and maybe not immediately feel like you have to show up and do the 100K or the 100 mile, but just to find the joy in the outdoors on the trails in a way that differs from running on roads or from running a road marathon or whatnot. So yeah, I'm just curious, Kayla, it sounds like you've put some thought even for you to say, I'd have to move from Chicago. <laughs> I decided I wanted to do trails. I'm like, to me, that sounds like you're at least thinking <laughs> about it because I haven't gone that far. But yeah, I, yeah like, what is it in particular that does interest you about the trail space? What kind of excites you about it? Yeah, it's it's the exploration of the unknown. And I really feel like the best way I explain it to people is relating it back to my parents, right? And I think about how much my life has exploded and grown and just accelerated since my parents passed away. And I share that because when I mention to people that both of my parents have passed away, like the shock that comes over their face, how could someone that's from the outside so successful and joyful and happy and finding all these spaces and doing all these cool things have so much grief and loss and tragedy? I'm like, we are duality human. <laughs> like you can hold many emotions at one time. But also, I do believe that 
perhaps not entirely different or perhaps a different timeline, but in losing both of my parents, I had to learn how to stand on my own two feet. And I had to learn how to be confident in rooms. And when my mom couldn't speak anymore, I had to learn how to use my voice to stand up for what I wanted and what for she wanted because she couldn't do it. And I say, I didn't have a safety net anymore. I had to figure it out. And sure, I have three sisters, but they're figuring out their own stuff too. That is when I think I got comfortable being uncomfortable. And that includes in spaces where I am not represented or traditionally Black people, excuse me, specifically wouldn't be. Trail is something I'm exploring just out of curiosity right now because I don't really know much about it. I don't have, besides Palos Park and like Waterfall Glen here in Chicago, which is a 20 mile loop, (laughs) I don't know much about trail, but I am excited to see what it looks like. In December, I'm going with this group from Mexico City called Air Libre, which Myrna has also run with for their Patagonia experience. It's eight days of running, the 26th of December through January 2nd. And what I'm really looking forward to on that experience is that embody, it embodies why I run, to, like to sightsee, to meet new people, to have shared experiences, to walk away genuinely transformed. And I've done one solid trail, non-night terror, age hood to coast version run in Portland. I ran up to, was it Forest Park? Is that right? Yes. Ran up in that. Yes. Okay, thank you. I appreciate it because sometimes I get Portland and Vancouver confused with how much I fly for the lemon. But I ran into that space. And as soon as I just like hit the canopy, I just couldn't stop smiling and just taking it all in. And one question I've had to start exploring for myself is not to look past further, but further physically puts me in a good position to do some cool stuff afterward, right? Like I'll be in the best shape. That's my goal is to finish uninjured. I can do aches and pains and like ouchies, but uninjured front further. And so I've, you know, explored what that means and what that looks like. And for me, that's getting into a traditional ultra, whether it's something cool, though. I'm talking like two oceans, comrades, like something Mm. like that. And then into the trail space, exploring what that experience is. And this is where someone, my background, so I do some work in content creation and working with brands. And the past couple of months, I've just been really trying to pitch brand like you realize you're only speaking to one audience who your audience could potentially be and there's a larger story to tell let me help you tell that story yeah absolutely I feel like both Camille and my wheels are turning right now like there's maybe more here more conversation to be had and obviously both I think of us are quite biased being quite involved in this space but no I think this is I think this is a really very interesting conversation in general. Yes, we're applying it to a specific niche sport or like part of a sport. But I think there's just so much here from everything you've said around like all of the kind of movement related communities that you've created and challenges that you've taken on and encouraged others to do so as well. It's really an inspirational, the inspirational, aspirational thing is very interesting. That concept in general is so fascinating because it is connecting back to, yeah, what is the invitation, right? Like, our, mm-hmm. like, what does it mean to see yourself? And then what does it also mean to, per what Camila said, it's like, you know, we, we can't necessarily aspire to be each other because we are our own unique selves, which I think is so cool. But, but in all of this, like we've gone so many different directions in this conversation. I'm so stoked that we've gotten to sit down and chat with you, Kayla, because I, I feel like we could continue to talk for many more hours. But 
I wanted to ask you, because we really do try to ask our guests this question, which is really just, what did we miss? What else do you wish? What do you wish people asked you? And that can, you can take a second too. You also don't have to answer anything, but um, wait, what else? What else has been on your mind recently? I feel like we've covered a lot of ground. I feel like we covered a lot. <laughs> I agree. We did. I think we went a bunch of different directions and hopefully anyone listening was able to take something away for themselves to apply to their own journey, whether it's fitness or running or grief or community, because at the end of the day, they all are so interconnected and we live at the intersection of all of them. I honestly, I can't think of anything, but I mean, that means we did our job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. I just first thank you to Camila, my guest co-host for joining in this conversation. Thank you so much, Camila, for sitting in for Faith today. This was so great to have you. And also, Kayla, thank you for this conversation, because I literally feel as I'm like wrapping this up, I'm like, we barely scratched the surface. And also, I feel like the three of us all need to keep talking about these topics because there's a lot here. But Kayla, it does sound like who to call if you want to, if you're like, hey, curious about trail like we're here and we're ready and and I think this is just like another piece of this broader conversation around representation and the importance of deep diving into what it yeah what it means to see yourself outside what it means to say you're welcome here and and the power of the invitation so thank you thank you thank for joining thank you so much and the conversation like I said I feel like is has barely started but that's what is important that is y'all are even starting the conversation and creating the space to have the conversation. So I appreciate the work that y'all are doing and Camila was great chatting with you and you as well, Addie. So it's just really wonderful. And again, yeah, I know who to call. So who knows? You might see when the trail's <laughs> out there, Camila. <laughs> I would love that. Thank you so much. And we will be cheering you on either from in person or far during the further project uh, in March. Thank you so much to Kayla and Camila for joining us for this episode. To learn more about Kayla, you can follow her at Fit and Full by Kayla on Instagram or visit fitandfullbykayla.com. You can also learn more about the 100 Miles of Summer Challenge by following the handle or the hashtag on Instagram. And be sure to follow along with Kayla's Lululemon Further Initiative project this March. Thank you also to Camila for co-hosting with me, especially while juggling small things like a 20-person family vacation and also casually crewing the UTMB men's winner. Hero status for sure. Thank you so much. The Trail Ahead is created, produced, and hosted by us, Faith E. Briggs and Addie Thompson. Misty Avenger is our editor and sound designer. Podcast art is by Shar Tuiasawa. Check her out on Instagram at punkyaloha. And special thanks to the team at Lululemon for their support and for the imagery accompanying this episode. Our theme music is a track called All Is Forgiven by the band Alakazam, the lead singer of which is our season one guest, Salema Masakela. We'll link to them in the show notes too. Our theme music is a track called All Is Forgiven by the band Alakazam, the lead singer of which is our season one guest, Salema Masakela. We'll link to them in the show notes too. Thank you also to our team on the visual side. Our video for this episode is filmed by Ashley Mills and was edited by Jillian Sorau at Cartel TV. Our still images are captured by Aaron Morgan Taylor. 
For updates and additional links, visit trailaheadpodcast.com. You can also leave us a voicemail there. If you like what you hear, please send us a note via Instagram at at trailahead underscore podcast and subscribe. Please also consider checking out our Patreon at patreon.com slash the trail ahead. Thank you for listening and for spreading the word. Don't forget to check out the video profiles we make about each of our guests. And to all of our incredible guests, thank you. You make the world better. See you next episode. <laughs>